The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. I invite you to follow along with me as we turn to Matthew chapter 22. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we're going to encounter you in your word. Lord, we're going to understand what the foundation of our faith is today. Lord, I pray that you speak. Let that not be my words, but your message, your Holy Spirit that translates into each of our hearts as we figure out who we are, who we've been created to be, and what you have for us. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So, when I was debating the call to come to Leander, uh, this was probably the hardest decision Eric and I ever had to make. Uh, We had constant conversations about it. Uh, I had spreadsheets going of the pros and the cons. Have you guys ever done that before, where you've got a big decision, and you're like, okay, so here are all the pros if we do this, here are all the cons if we do this, and vice versa. I mean, I went almost as far as to have, like, presentations ready as I would go to family and friends and other pastors to seek counsel and guidance. And eventually, I ended up meeting with a pastor mentor friend of mine, uh, and I said, hey, can I just sit down? I want to walk you through some stuff. And I did everything but show up with, like, one of those, like, presentation stands, right? And I'm going through everything, and he's listening in probably 30 minutes. I am talking. And he's nodding, older pastor, just very, you know, comforting. And he looks at me and goes, that's all great, Josh. And then he said, what does God tell you to do? And it hit me like a brick. I mean, literally a brick to my face. What is God saying? Because while I was certainly praying about this decision, my prayers kind of went like this. Heavenly Father, Lord, we've got to make this decision. Uh, Give us insight. Give us wisdom. Full stop. No listening. No hearing. Then my mind would then start running through all the pros and the cons. The spreadsheets would start. And all the reasons to come and all the reasons to stay would start to just bombard my head. I would talk to God, but it really wasn't a conversation. It was more of a checklist item. Of course I'm going to pray about it. But it didn't didn't go anywhere from there. And so when he asked me that question, hey, Josh, what is God telling you about this good thing that you're thinking about doing? There was a disconnect there. We're in a series starting off the year called You Are Here. And it's going to be under a much larger theme for 2018 for Acts, which is going to be called Blessed to be a Blessing. This year, we're going to be looking at how God has blessed us as his children and all the different ways that God comes in and brings gifts into our lives. And then how do we pay those gifts forward? How do we love on our communities? How do we love our neighbor as ourselves? How do we love our families and our fellow students? What does that look like? And yet, if we don't get this first one right how we are blessed with a relationship with God. Everything else I tell you, everything else we do as a church is going to fail. Oh, it might look good. The community might like us. The city might like us. Our neighbors might like us. But at the end of the day, we will have built a foundation or built on a foundation that is going to let us down. We talked about this a little bit last week, but Jesus says that my word My gospel is the foundation that when the storms in life come, you'll survive. But if you build on anything else, any other good thing, you're going to fail. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, right? 
And this story actually starts, and we see this theme happen again and again and again through Scripture, where uh, God, when he led his people out of Egypt, and I think that's going to be our first slide, he spoke these words, right? So they finally come out. He's creating his own nation, and God said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. He starts off his people, and the first thing he has to tell them is you shall have no other gods before me. Now, this might have been the most revolutionary statement any religion could make at that time. Because during this exodus, they're coming out of Egypt. Egypt had thousands of gods. Their neighbors, the Philistines and the Mennonites and all these others, had thousands of gods. You had a god for the rain. You had a God for your finances. You had a God for fertility. You had a God for agriculture. You had a God for the sun. You had a God for everything. And depending on how your life was going, you would reach out to these other gods. And these other gods would protect you. These other gods would fix the situation that you were wrestling with. And what God, though, says is, no, I am the Lord your God, and you will have no other gods but me. And this theme happens again and again and again through Scripture. And in fact, when Jesus shows up, then he comes up and he rewords this commandment a little bit. And that's what we read from Matthew, right? But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all of your strength. This is the great and first commandment. Now, realize what this says here. You shall love the Lord your God with all. Not with some of your heart. Not you should love God first, but then you have a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth. No, he says, I need all of you if this is going to work. I need all of your heart. I need all of your mind. I need all of your soul to be the foundation that we're going to build on. Now, the flip side of that, though, is it doesn't say you shall only love the Lord your God. Right? It doesn't say you love God, but you don't love your neighbor. It says you can love God, but you can't love your wife. Right? That would be weird. So somehow, this all-encompassing love that he is asking of his people also encompasses our love for family also encompasses our love for our neighbor, our love for our fellow students, our love for our fellow co-workers, our love for sports or for art or anything else. Somehow, we're able to love God with everything we have, and then we're still able to love this creation that he made. And this is the difference between what I sometimes call hyper-spirituality and a Jesus lens. Hyperspirituality, and I do this sometimes, I think everyone kind of does it sometimes, and they'll come up and they'll ask, Josh, how you doing? I'm so blessed. Right? Have you ever, you know, and we, and maybe we're blessed at that moment, or maybe we're wrestling with something, but we tend to over-spiritualize every single situation, and we hyper-spiritualize it, because we think that's what God wants. Instead, what God is actually saying is, no, to love me with everything is then to use me as the foundation of how you interact with everything else. And so it's an opportunity to be thankful. It's an opportunity to realize, wow, when I'm having a really awesome meal, 
That's a gift from God. And so I can both love God and love the meal. When I have an opportunity for a new job to come to Austin, I can both be thankful for that job, but thankful for the God who's providing it. It's connecting the gifts of God, the good things of God, to the giver of the gifts, to the giver of the blessings. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, there is but one God, good, and that is God. Everything else is good when it looks to him and bad when it turns from him. What C.S. Lewis is saying here is that God creates this world good, and he gives us good gifts, right? So jobs, houses, cars, families, friends, beer, whatever it is, right? God gives us these good things. However, when we disconnect them from God, when we don't have that lens of God, that lens of Jesus to connect them back to him, they actually turn bad. And you've seen this, right? You've seen this with parents and kids. Have you ever seen a parent who just thinks their kid is the absolute center of the universe? How do they treat that child like it is the second coming, the new Messiah, right? And you see it actually turn toxic because these parents can't separate the good gift that is a child to realizing that that child isn't God. That child isn't the source of all love and all joy and all goodness in the world. We can see it with our jobs. A job is a good thing, a vocation, an opportunity to be able to work and to serve. And yet, when that becomes our God, when we have a little God in our job, well, when work starts to get rough, our heart starts to get rough. Right? Could be a car. Could be a house. Could be 10,000 other things that are good gifts from God. But when we disconnect them from the giver, when we disconnect them from the one who actually blessed us, they're no longer good anymore. And then when the storms of life come, when those good things get shaken, we get shaken. Instead, what God is saying is, children, sons, daughters, I've given you all of this stuff, but don't disconnect it from me because there's going to be seasons where that stuff isn't as strong as you want it to be. And yet God says, but I am strong. I am with you. Right? And so today we're going to be focusing on three specific gifts that are directly connected to our spirituality, right? The first gift that God is going to give us is love, right? This unconditional love, probably the most well-known Bible verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We have a God who shows up in our lives when we still had him at arm's length. God didn't say, I expect you to build a stairway to heaven. I expect you to be able to reach up into the goodness of me before I'll have a relationship with you. No, the story is that he says, no, I'm going to come to you. I love you so much, so unconditionally, that I will come down and do life with you. I will come down and do life for you. And that's the story of Jesus, right? God coming, him putting on flesh, and him saying, I want to show you a different way to do life. I want to be a blessing to you. I want to love you unconditionally. And that is the first, that is the foundation core, that is the gospel, the good news, that we build everything else on. And outside of that love for God, we don't love others very well. 
today again, today is a C.S. Lewis day, but there's another quote from C.S. Lewis. And it says, you cannot love a fellow creature fully till you love God. Oh, we can love people. Non-Christian parents can love their children, absolutely. Christian parents who aren't connected to God's love can love their children. And yet, at the end of the day, it becomes distorted. It comes out of focus. And ultimately, what God is trying to do through his lens is put reality in focus. He's trying to show you what real love looks like. He's trying to show you what real service looks like. He's trying to show you what real knowledge looks like, what real blessing looks like. But we don't see it clearly until we connect it to him. So the first thing we get is unconditional love. The second one we're going to talk about today is we get rest. Now, I'm a guy who loves to rest. I really am. It's, it's ridiculous how much I love Netflix, right? Like, I have a very intimate relationship with my couch. Um, I like to, after a long day, just be able to, we've got power recliners, and so I push the button and the leg thing comes out, and then I just veg, right? This idea of resting. And yet, sometimes, as Christians, and just as society, we, we get it backwards. We think we work uh, to rest, right? So I'm going to work my butt off so I can finally get to this place. And really what happens is we exhaust ourselves until we get a break, and then we recharge, not fully, just enough so we're beyond that exhaustion point, and then we jump back into the breach. We think that we have to control everything, right? And so we're resting from work. And yet what we find in Scripture is God wants to actually flip it. He wants us to work from rest. He doesn't want us to have to be perpetually exhausted, perpetually carrying the weight of the world of our shoulders. What's the budget going to look like this month? Am I going to be able to fix this problem with my family? What about this health illness? What about, what about, what about, what about? We start to put ourselves as God. This is just a little bit later in Exodus after he gives his first commandment. He says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or the livestock or sojourner who is within your gates. Do you know what this verse tells us? Oh, uh, for six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, the seas, all of them rested, he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. What God is saying here, and this might be the best news you guys hear all day. You are not God. All right, spouses, turn to your wives, turn to your husbands. You are not God. <laughs> this is amazing news. Because so many of our problems, so much of our exhaustion comes from thinking we are God. Comes from thinking that we actually are in control. Comes from thinking that we have to figure it all out. And what God is saying is no. I built a rhythm into your schedule that you are to rest and to remember me. Remember that you're not the one who has to carry all this. I'm going to carry it for you. This is a blessing beyond measure because as humans, we constantly think we're God. We constantly think we have to fix it. And what God is saying is you don't have to fix it. I'm the big G God. I'm the one in control. You don't need any other gods, even yourself. I promise you, I have you. I promise you, you're not alone. God blesses us with rest. And finally, God blesses us with prayer. Now, I'm going to be honest. This is the one I probably have the hardest time with. I pray, 
but I do the checklist prayer, right? I do this, all right, God, take care of this person, take care of this person, take care of this person, but then I go back to being God. I go back to trying to fix everything. I go back to trying to control everything. I go back to carrying everything. And I sometimes forget the power that prayer has and what that looks like. One of the clearest examples of what happens when we pray, though, comes from the life of David. So the two big stories that we know most about David are him killing the uh, giant Goliath and him having adultery with Bathsheba. Right? Those are the kind of two tent poles that we normally think of with David. But one of the most interesting points of David's life is when uh, Saul decides, you know what, you're trying to take my job. And so the current king hunts down David for about 10 years. And he's constantly running, and David's running around with bandits, and he's living with the Philistines, and it's this really messy, broken situation. And at one point, David, or Saul has David dead to rights. David and his men are hiding out in this cave, and Saul wanders into the cave. Uh, He had to relieve himself, ironically. This is true. This is the Bible. Uh, And David realizes, I'm going to die. He's got an entire army out there. And yet God delivers David from Saul. And after he delivers him, David writes a psalm. And the psalm explains David praying to God. And it unveils a little bit of what happens when we pray. And it's, for me, one of the biggest, best examples of what happens, how much power prayer has. All right? So read these words with me from Psalm 1. I love the Lord. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. All right, so standard kind of Jesus-y song, right? But then he goes on and he says, The cords of death entangled me, or encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol, hell, wrapped around me. Snares of death confronted me. Do you ever feel that way? Like the snares of death are confronting you. Maybe it's a health problem. Maybe it's a financial problem. Maybe it's a work problem. Maybe it's 10,000 other things, right? where we just feel entangled and constricted. David literally had someone trying to kill him. And then he says this, In distress I called upon the Lord to my God for help. From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry reached his ears. So God hears him. And then this is what happens when God hears him. The earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he, the Lord, was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils, devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherubim and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made the darkness his covering, his canopy around him. Thick clouds dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstorms and coal of fire broke through the clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. And he sent out his angels and scattered them. He flashed forth lightning and routed them, my enemies. Then the channels of the sea were seen. The foundations of the earth were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord. At the blast from your breath of your nostrils, he came, he sent from on high. He took me, he drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. 
David says that the foundations of the earth shook. That the heavens were laid bare when he cried out in prayer. Oftentimes when we're praying, when I'm sitting there at the foot of my bed and I'm looking up and I just hear my words bouncing off the ceiling, I can think God's not hearing me. But what we find in Scripture is that he is our father. We are his children. And in the same way, like any parent in this room, if their child cried out in distress, if death was starting to entangle them, mama bear, papa bear, they're going to move fast. And our God is the God of heavens. Our God is the one who breathes and the world shakes. And so when we cry out to him in prayer, the foundations of the earth are moving because our Father is upset. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. If you hear nothing else today, know this, that your Father in heaven delights in you. That is a blessing. God loves you. God supports you. God has a plan. And that doesn't mean that everything's going to be okay. David lived a long time running from people who were trying to kill him. And yet, God still blessed him. And because David had that lens of looking at the world, he was able to get through those hardships. He was able to still realize that God is listening to me, hearing from me, and give praise to God. He writes this psalm, which has been a blessing to generation after generation after generation. I truly believe in 2018, Ax Leander is going to find our new calling for how we're going to bless this community, how we're going to show God's love to this community. I am so excited about the people God has brought together. But the foundation of it, the heart of it, the heartbeat of it, is going to be what God has already done for us. Paul, when he's writing to the church in Philippi, writes this in Philippians 2. He says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from his love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. He says, If you have been loved by God, pay that love forward to your community. Pay that love forward to your neighbor. Pay that love forward to the, those who God has brought into your life. I'm excited to see where we go as a church from here. And yet, as a church, we also have to be honest that, you know what, often we don't pay that love forward. Often we have all kinds of gods. It could be money, it could be our job, it could be our spouse, it could be our kids, it could be what people at work think of us. And what we get to experience every week when we come to church, when we come and gather as the community here or in small groups or at home, is that we are forgiven. We get to hear the words, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that he sacrificed Jesus so that he could have a relationship with us. That relationship is shown very clearly in the Lord's Supper, where on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread when he had broken it, he gave it to each of them and he said, take and eat. This bread is my body broken for you. This is how far I will go to have a relationship with you. 
The same way after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he had said, drink of it, all of you. This cup is my body, the blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, a new covenant. We get to participate in God's forgiveness. We get to experience the blessing of God showing up here and now. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.